0: Welcome to the Salty Club podcast. I am your host, Caitlin Creeper. The Salty Club is where we bring surf, yoga, nutrition, empowerment and community under the same roof. We've found that when a person invites these five facets into their life, they become a force to be reckoned with. Join me for interviews and solo casts on all these topics and more. The idea is to share the inspiring stories of adventurers, experts and game changers. People who have wandered from the conventional path and are doing life on their terms. Thanks for being here and let's do this. Meet Carly, founder of the Wild Love Co. She likes to call herself a wild woman or green witch. Carly owns a farm just outside of Cape Town, South Africa. Through retreats and workshops on her farm, she empowers and leads women back to their wild, true selves through a combination of bushcraft, botanical magic, dance, body celebration practices, and conscious relating classes. Carly, welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk to you today.
1: Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here chatting with you, Caitlin.
0: Carly, I think it's been about two years since we met in El Salvador, and I cannot believe it's already been that long. So where are you? How are you? What have your days been like? Tell me.
1: Yes, it has. And oh, I think about that so fondly. <laughs> me too. I miss El Salvador so much. <laughs> Such a precious time. Um, yeah, I've been keeping myself very busy. I um I was extremely inspired after coming back from the salty souls and I dived right into writing my my retreats on the farm which was amazing and and then kind of I started I moved back to Cape Town and so I moved off my farm and I've been there for a year but I'm back on my farm <laughs> so things have been wild and wonderful and busy, and um, I've just been growing my business in Cape Town, I felt the need to connect with more women in Cape Town where everyone is, and I was struggling on my farm to, to really have an ongoing connection with people, and so I put a hold on the retreats and I've been working, um, doing a lot of herbal workshops, and really connecting and building a community of women in Cape Town, which has been absolutely amazing, um, but then, yeah, Through this pandemic and everything, I decided to move back to the beautiful farm with space and fresh air and growing all my medicinal herbs. So
0: that's Mm. about it. (laughs) (laughs) So what made you move back to Cape Town about a year ago?
1: It was the feeling of just not having um, community here. So it's a very small town, little like village, farming village out here Mm. in in Tilbach. And... I don't have any friends out here and I was struggling to connect with people that I, I resonated with um, and also the retreats were doing well but I wasn't doing retreats like every month and so I was lacking kind of more I needed to work to work more on the wild love and I couldn't run workshops here it's too far away from people they wouldn't be able to drive through so we made the move I decided let's go to Cape Town and and start the wild love, kind of bring it to Cape Town, and it did really well, and I've really connected with a lot of people, and really built a beautiful community.
0: Mm -hmm. So, are you planning, kind of after all this is over, whenever that is, are you planning to kind of head back into Cape Town, or where's your head at with that?
1: (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Um, So, this this has been happening for me for the last 10 years, maybe, is... um, I will come to the farm, and I live here for a few years, and then I go to Cape Town for about one year. And after one year, I can't handle it anymore, being in the city, and I come back for a few years, and then I go back to Cape Town. So I'll probably be here for a couple of years before <laughs> I make any moves. Um, but, but seriously, that I think we're deciding to move to another kind of rural area, but somewhere that's a bit more where there's our tribe is living so that's a little going to be a bit more on the east coast uh warmer water kind of a bit more jungly not jungly like foresty i'm I'm in a very dry area right now and it's gorgeous but i want forest Mm -hmm. so we're probably going to move from the farm eventually to to a small holding or something that's a little bit yeah with a Good community of people
0: hmm so hopefully finding a space that's a little bit the best of the combinations of the two best things of the farm and in Cape Town as well exactly oh cool yeah. So I'm gonna jump right in how did you tell us about the evolution of the wild love what is the wild love when did it start how has it evolved I would love to hear all about that
1: yeah so I started The Wild Love at the end of 2017 through my own lack of um, connecting to myself, my femininity, and to other women. I really felt that lack of connection. I struggling to um, have a group of women friends that I could really just hang out with and be vulnerable with. A lot of my friends moved overseas, um, pretty much... yeah immediately after school, and I really was missing that, that part of me, and I also felt like there was something more to life, something that I was missing, and, and through, I mean, through lots of different studying and working in different areas, I realized that what I'm good at and what I love to do is, is so many different things that I could put them all together, and create these experiences that would nourish myself and hopefully (laughs) the plan was to really be of service to women. So Mm -hmm. that's how they initially started, but it's evolved completely from just being a women's retreat, a nature retreat to kind of witchy, wild woman, (laughs) um, herbalism, kind of rewilding bushcraft retreats. Um, And it's also expanded now into a lot more workshops, doing a lot of workshops and a lot of conscious communication, really a lot of empowerment workshops, and um, communication is a huge part of them at the moment. So, yeah, so it's evolved um, the last two and a half years, and I'm, I'm really excited. I've got even more plans for <laughs> more um, to come um, now that I'm on the farm with a lot more rewilding and really hands-on bushcraft and things like that.
0: Okay, could you tell me a bit about how empowerment and rewilding and then bushcrafting and the natural element, how does the natural and the bushcrafting feed into this empowerment and rewilding? How is this connected for women?
1: Oh, great question. So for me, rewilding is a path to remembering. Um, it's like you're coming home to my truest self. So for my, for me, it's it's being, it's kind of connecting, my rewilding my mind, rewilding my body, uh, and and finding practices and tools that can facilitate this. So so how I connect rewilding to, is growing my own food, is um, you know learning about the medicine that's growing freely around me. So that's with herbalism. Um, Mm-hmm. Claiming <laughs> to be a witch for me, which that's a whole nother topic, but it's really kind of kind of embracing my womanhood and my birthright of being an independent woman, an empowered woman, and not conforming to the patriarchal society. Um, that's also feeds into the rewilding, reclaiming my birthright, coming to my home, to my truest self, um, and then conscious communication, how to to. to sit in my vulnerability and also own my stuff and, and be clear and have authentic connections with people. So so it's kind of putting to live this holistic life for myself, I, I need all these little I would you know, like all these little pieces. I don't want to just learn how to do rewild or to do bushcraft because that's I'm still gonna be missing that kind of communication element or just learning about the herbs, but not being able to really be present in my body, and so that's kind of how I, how slowly I've been putting them all together. Because as I'm on this journey myself, I'm like, "Oh, something's missing," or "Oh, there's a lack in this area," or "Wow, this feels good. Okay, this really connects. Kind of puts all the pieces together." And that's how I put them all together to form to create the wild love.
0: Mm -hmm. that's so beautiful and I love that it takes so many different elements and also how you speak about it being an evolution like you identify something that's missing and then you incorporate that for you has it been an evolution for yourself or do you feel like um you've always kind of been really in tune with who you are or has it been a process of kind of finding your way back to yourself
1: so um absolutely not (laughs) i I definitely feel like it's been a big journey for me um i would say i only really started this journey in my late mid to late 20s so i'm 32 now and i i feel feel like when i was about 26 27 things started shifting that's when i was like okay i can't live like this something i don't know what's happening but the, the the feeling started coming up and i suppose the awareness was there. But I still didn't quite know what to do. Around 27, 28, I started going to as many workshops, like women's workshops, women's circles that I could find. Um, I was always in tune with nature. That was definitely something throughout my childhood. And I studied to be a field guide. And I've always loved nature. But I didn't really, I didn't connect that I could it could be my job and be a part of me. And so I kind of pushed it to the side. Like, oh well I have more important things I have to do. I have to make money, I have to you know do all these things that I think is, a, is what a, a, a human should be doing in this world. And, and when that started falling apart, I started remembering my passions and the things that I love and, and so it's been a journey and it's been <laughs> it's been very interesting coming to where I am right now and, and of course there's still so much work. there's always work and, and learning and growth to be done. But yeah, it's definitely, it's only been the last six years or so, seven years that I've really, really been dedicated to this, to to my journey.
0: Mm, I love that. And I think you said something really important is where we kind of separate in our heads, making money and being ourselves and expressing ourselves and being of service. It's, I think it's very hard for women to kind of, and for me as well, to consolidate working from our passions getting to know ourselves through this thing and earning money from it as well
1: absolutely it's been a huge it's huge challenge for me um yeah for sure I <laughs> I've only really the last since the wild love've been like wow I can actually I can do it all and it's, it's I can I don't have to separate them and it's hard and challenging and of course I have moments where I'm like this isn't working this is i'm not supposed to be doing this maybe i just need to get a 9 to 5 it'll mm-hmm. be easier i have those days and then it's yeah just coming back home to myself and and really using the tools that i'm teaching people to to remember that no this is this is what i what i want to do and this is what i need to do to feel whole
0: mm mm-hmm. how did you kind of get that confidence to start to make it a service and to put an, a monetary exchange on it and to start to put it out in the world as a service you were offering? Like how, what was that process like?
1: That was a very scary process. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my kind of core woundings or, yeah, I could say that is around um, self-worth and so, a way that shows up is in money. is one of the ways it shows up. Is I struggle to charge people mm-hmm. money <laughs> in general. Me I've too. always struggled. <laughs> I used to work for free. Um, I remember my first job was uh, as a bartender. Man, you know, in, I was eighteen or something, I think, um, maybe nineteen. And the my first week there, the owner forgot to pay me, or the manager forgot to pay me. And I couldn't, I just couldn't ask, so I just left it. And I think two or three weeks later, he came, and he was like, What? Yes, funny. I'm so sorry. Why didn't you say anything? And I was blood-red and so embarrassed. I was like, No, it's fine, it's fine. And I look back at and I just think, I can't believe that I did that. <laughs> and I could imagine myself still doing it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I've come a long way, but it's still one of the, the I find it very difficult to to value what i do in many ways but what really helped me was seeing the transformations whether a tiny little transformation or something big in the woman that i was working with mm. um it's something as simple as a weekend away uh, that that i would have all these voices in my head saying oh you didn't do good you know it wasn't good enough and you could have done better no one enjoyed it and just having people glowing saying thank you so much like this has just been an incredible experience Mm-hmm. And that's what pushed me on. Um, even if I, it's I hate the money part, but I was like, no, this is, and I, and I, you know, this is, I need to do this. People are are yearning for this, and I could feel it. Women right now, especially, um, this is the things that women want to do. They want to connect and really empower themselves. And for me to be able to facilitate that is just incredible.
0: Mm, thank you so much for sharing that because. I relate that to that a lot. I think that's one of my cool woundings as well. Even when I have to charge things to the Salty Club because there's three of us, I feel guilty. <laughs> Even if it's a program to edit the podcast or it's something that's really going to benefit, I still approach it like, I'm sorry, don't hate me. I need to charge this forty dollar thing this month, and it's so funny because my team has also had the other business, salty souls, and they're a lot more comfortable with money, and they're like, it's fine. We need to spend money, and it's just so funny because I could totally see myself like you with not getting paid at the bar. I could totally see myself being like, "Don't hate me, but uh can can I get paid?" <laughs> yeah (laughs) it's so funny so I feel like before the pandemic travel was at the forefront of a lot of people's minds and I feel like it still is but what I'm seeing in my friends is a lot of people are turning back towards local nature and they're wanting to learn how to garden and they're wanting to learn to become independent in that way why do you think this is and why is it so empowering to learn about nature and plants around us? Yeah, I mean,
1: this pandemic, um, definitely, I've, lots of people are asking me about different plants. They're, if they've come to one of my workshops, they're asking me like, can I grow this or can I eat this, this wildflower, et etc. et cetera. And it's incredible to see how many people are kind of turning to their gardens, and to their, to connecting to the land that they live on. And while it's it's sad that travel is no longer available for the foreseeable future it's also a beautiful opportunity for people to slow down Mm -hmm. and and to not be looking out there you know the grass is always greener on the other side actually no like we have everything that we need right here and and it's i feel like it's really giving people the chance yeah really to slow down and to connect to earth um and connect connect to themselves i feel like the interconnectedness between humans especially women and and nature is incredible and um, I mean for example we have to well we don't have to but a beautiful kind of exercise to do is to look at the moon every evening every night and set an intention of I want my moon cycle my period to connect to kind of be in sync with the moon Mm -hmm. and just simply looking at the moon every night will change it will change something with your cycle and that's just how connected we are it's it's incredible and so i feel like a simple exercise like that or to creating a you know a vegetable garden it can it doesn't matter what it is but really just slowing down and and connecting and so i think it's i mean important during this pandemic because i mean there's some practical reasons like it'll save you some money and you know the source of your vegetables you can grow organic um, local, obviously, from your garden, there's like way less energy consumption, mm-hmm. you know, um, supporting fossil fuels, and um, better for your health if you're growing organic and uh, more nutrient dense. And of course, you're getting vitamin D sunshine if it's sunny right where you are, and yeah. also exercise. So those are practical reasons. But then we've also got reasons like everybody you've mentioned, connecting to the land um, that you live on, connecting to the food that you eat really really understanding the you know nutritional benefits of the food that you're eating um, it's food security so it's empowering us to be a little bit more self-sufficient we don't have to go into the supermarket especially now where there's mm-hmm. these queues and you have to wear masks and it's, it's really intense and um, yeah you're you you, you you're forming you, you're eating, growing what you eat and you're not relying on what's stocked in maybe supermarket shelves so you can choose what you want to eat so I mean the benefits are are amazing and quite obvious
0: Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us have realized like you said throughout this pandemic just how dependent we are on the supply chains and the food chains because many of us have never had the experience of going to a supermarket and not being able to get what we want or we haven't had the experience of going in and finding our usual vegetables at three times the price and I think this is really highlighted to us just how dependent we are. I remember reading a statistic. It's I, I need it. It's probably a bit off, but I think it was in the '50s. Something like 98% of the people grew their own food, and now it's something like less than one percent grow their own food. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. It's, it's so sad.
0: <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Empowering ourselves. To learn about the foods that we eat, to know what we're eating, and to have that independence. Mm-hmm. So, I, fe- I feel that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it can be so simple just growing some greens, herbs, anything just to give you that nutritional density without having to rely on the supermarkets, which, yeah, as you say, they're hiking up the prices or there's just nothing available. So where is it coming from? And, I mean, I was all sad because I can't go to the organic shop that I usually shop at down the road I mean it's crazy it's ridiculous I'm like I I can grow I do grow so many delicious vegetables and things here and I'm still so used to just popping over to you know when I was in Cape Town to my organic shop and getting all my organic treats and it's been a huge wake-up call for me I was like oh it actually doesn't feel so good Mm -hmm. like it's not a treat I go I would Go there every second day and buy things, and now, like it's actually really a blessing that um, it's not available because it's helping me to kind of live what I what I preach about, really, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and to really be connected to, to my food and to to have that to really also feel gratitude for it. Feel so much gratitude for the the spinach and the carrots that are in my garden where before to be like, oh, that's cool. It's like, no, this is incredible. This is a gift.
0: Yeah, and and you realise how much work goes into every stage of making it possible to eat that. I think about when I'd go to restaurants Absolutely. and cafes and just order what I felt like, eat it, forget about it. But then to really think about all the steps I had to take to get that food there, it's mind-blowing.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: I'm kind of hoping maybe yeah. once um, we can start travelling again, it will be maybe we, some of us can go in with a bit more of a balanced mindset, which is like you said, not always rushing to see everywhere else and kind of using travel to as, as that holistic picture of discovering who we are and discovering other cultures, other places, but also having that groundedness as well with the land where we are.
1: Mm, mm, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, things like woofing, or is it like working on those organic farms, or those workaway places where people are helping with permaculture? It's almost like that's for me now. I'm like, if I'm going traveling, that's the only thing I want to do mm. is to really help to support other communities and to be a part of something bigger than just traveling for fun, which is great. And I've done a lot of both. And. I love just seeing different cultures and different. I mean, for me, going to Central America the first time around was just all about bird watching, <laughs> and it was amazing. But now, looking back, I could have done that, and I could have worked. You know, I did work at an animal sanctuary for for a month, but the rest of the time, we just kind of hung out at little bungalows and backpackers, and it's fun. But yeah, I feel like I look at it in such a different light. I would want to work on regenerative farms permaculture biodynamic farms really learning learning and helping other mm. people and other communities while i learn and grow as a human
0: mm-hmm. kind of leaving the place better than when you found it and contributing exactly yeah i i think about my first trip to europe and how i'd change country every three days and it was just this mad rush to just consume as much like experiences as possible and and now i feel that same yearning as when i travel What can I learn while also giving back and also contributing as you move along? Yeah. Yeah. So changing gears a little bit, I remember, and I really wanted to chat about this because when when we were together in El Salvador, I remember we had a conversation around nudity and I know at your retreats you do exercises with women where you all get nude and even your partner has a podcast which is Naked with Nate, Nude with Nate. Naked with Nate. Getting
1: naked with Nate, yeah. Getting naked with
0: That's awesome. And I feel like even though we live in a highly sexualized culture, I feel like it also at the same t- time, it still senses and makes a natural body taboo. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Totally. This is such a good topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, I feel strongly about this. So, my own journey with nudity has been an interesting one. Come from a family that's quite shy, and they're not definitely didn't walk around naked in front of each other. Um, you know, when I got to a certain age, it was just like that. Just doesn't happen. It wasn't spoken about, but it was just it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And and then I also I remember growing. I mean, I remember some really challenging moments when I was going through puberty with friends as well, a lot of teasing and like, oh, there's pubic hair, or oh my gosh, you got hair under your arms already, or whatever, and it's been like such an interesting journey to be like, wow, I've been shamed, I mean, we've all been shamed our whole lives, mm-hmm. or I'll say most of us, I can't speak for everyone, <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, um, I would through say. peers and yeah and perhaps family and and just obviously mainstream media and and the society and culture in general or at least the western culture that i can speak to on nudity and being naked it's like we are told to you know um there's porn and all these things of like degrading bed and all this highly sexualized stuff but then oh my gosh are you getting dressed on the beach you know you're getting undressed to, to be completely nude, to then put on your costume, let's say, or bikini or whatever. Mm-hmm. How dare you, like, go to the change rooms, like, be, you know, for a split second, be naked in front of my family or something. Like, just silly things like that. And it's really got, got me thinking, especially when I met my partner, Nathan, because he, he grew up in a family who was very comfortable with nudity. And so uh, I've always felt like a really... I, I never minded it. I always, I always wanted to be naked. And I, I, I was always excited if someone else was going to swim naked or something. I was like, then I can do it. You know, I'm not the mm-hmm. only one. And um, But then meeting him, where he was like, didn't even bat an eyelid. It wasn't even a thing for him. And how often pe- people have shied away from, like, ha- not hanging out with him, but swimming naked with him or with us. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're so casual about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's been a journey for me to become so casual because what would stop me was other people, oh, the, the fear of other people. Like, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? Are they going to body shame me? Because all that stuff happens. And now, I mean, part of my journey as well has been growing all my hair out. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't shave at all anymore. That's and awesome. And it's not because I think, yeah. And I, not th- I don't think it's because women shouldn't shave or should shave. It's my own personal journey of trying to break that conditioning of of my natural body. So my body in its natural state, whether it's naked and hairy, I mean, that is me. I'm hairy mm. and I was born naked and I'm going to die naked and I'm, I cover myself with clothes, but I, in my natural state, I'm flesh and bones and blood and hair. And mm. it's amazing. <laughs> mm. So um, I kind of got sidetracked now, but basically, um, so so yes, on, my, on our retreat, as a part of of reclaiming that wildness within us that wild women and just our kind of to be present in our body to really come back to our body I encourage and I invite women to walk around barefoot is one thing and to swim naked and we have done a few little like rituals where we paint each other with mud we go down to the lake and and it's been incredible, and, and and of course, it's just an invitation. No one has to do it, and most of the time, people absolutely love it. And a lot of the women who at first are shy, they they end up running around like shaking their boobs, and like, <laughs> they just absolutely love it. And I, and I feel that. like it's because it's a safe space, and and no one is judging, and everyone is a little bit shy, but everyone wants to, you know, push the push the boundary, push their own boundaries, and, and I'm inviting this, and. and and But it's delicate because I don't want to push too much and, and actually get someone to retreat even further into themselves, which can also happen. Yeah. So yeah, it's a fine balance, but it's been incredible to, to witness women really embracing themselves and, and their bodies, which is usually a huge topic of body shaming and feeling you know, it's, you know it's low self-worth and, and I, like hating their own bodies. And it's, it's a mm. huge topic that we try and kind of dissect a little bit. Mm -hmm. get
0: into and I think that's so important as you mentioned uh your partner growing up in a family where nudity wasn't even a an issue and it's it's interesting for me because I'm 30 weeks pregnant with a little baby boy and I want this kid to see nudity as a normal thing I want to walk around naked in front of him I want it to be a non-issue and I want him to know what a woman's body actually looks like But um, it's very interesting because obviously one part of the family is quite traditional Latin American Guatemalan, so it's going to be interesting how we navigate that because modesty is very important, modesty, that word. But, yeah, but I just see it a lot here living (laughs) in Central America, even more pronounced than, say, in Australia or maybe Cape Town is just that attitude that nude automatically is wrong. And I really want to do my bit to change that because, like you said, we were born naked, we're skin, we're not clothes. Yeah, totally. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, South Africa in general, we're we're, we're not a – it's not somewhere like Central America where it's like people will form with their clothes on and it's definitely modest culture. Mm. But it's not something – it's so sexualized. Nudity is so sexualized and I think that's the the kind of – the piece – that really grates me. is like, is that it's either or? Um, it's like when you're a mother, you're not, you know, you can't be sexy as a mo- It's like you're a mother, and then you're a, a, a woman, a sexy woman, or then you're an elder. It's like, no, I'm a sexual being. I'm a sexual being, no matter what age I'm at. Even when I'm five years old, I'm still a sexual being. I might not be having, you know, sexual acts or anything, but I'm a sensual sexual be- being from birth to death yeah. and and what i've learned is that from hiding sex from children or um you know it's pretending that it doesn't exist until a certain age and and because i i mean for myself even the sex ed that we had at school it was hilarious yeah. i mean i really and I, it, it, it's like i didn't really even know what what um the human body really looked like in detail, like a nude human body, mm-hmm. and uh, and because it's it was like done by people that were they're trying to kind of just skirt around the edges of sex, you know, sex ed, mm-hmm. and I feel like it's done a disservice. And um, the porn industry, and I'm not even uh, bashing the porn industry. There's a place for everything, but I feel like, I mean, another really amazing kind of um, platform is something called "Make love not porn tv on okay. TV, and they it's basically normalizing sex so i know we've gone off the topic of nudity and, and but i feel like it's it, that's it's kind of a no, similar it's important. thing and and they basically it's a couples that are just um, normal couples having sex uploading videos and it's beautiful and and sharing it and it's it's uh, Cindy Gallup started it and basically, it's normalizing sex and nudity, and and um, apparently parents are now subscribing and letting their children watch it instead of going to porn, because it's real bodies, it's real humans. So you're seeing women and men in all their different shapes and sizes, and tender and loving and real, and not this performance-oriented stuff that we see on porn, mainstream porn. And and so I feel like it's just really helping people to to normalise sex and nudity. And um my partner and I actually have also uploaded a few videos onto MYP yes. and it's helped me. It's been amazing and it's really helped me to also embrace myself and and to not be so shy of my body and to just yeah, it's 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 yeah, so my journey is still going and um my partner's definitely helped me a lot. And through his upbringing of being so, um, it's just been so normalised for him. He's really swimming nude is like kind of his birthright. <laughs> he claims like, "I will swim nude," and it's it's so amazing. It's really helped me and so many other people. Some of my friends are like, "Oh yeah, okay, we can all swim naked. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. We don't we don't have to be sexual."
0: Yeah, because nudity, nudity does not even sexual. Yeah, nudity is not inherently mm. sexual. And like you said when we censor it that's what it creates i mean i remember being 12 years old at school and me and my friend were sent home to change out of leggings because they said it was too sexual i'm like well i just put on some pants but what's up with you that seeing my tight pants is sexual on a 12 year old so it's like the more you try to cover things and i remember reading once i think it was the writer caitlin moran um she's from the uk And she said the same thing as you, porn has its place and it's not that we need less porn, it's that we need more, it's that we need to see more examples of real sex and real bodies. And kids will get it from somewhere, so why not make sure there's plenty of places where they can get a realistic view of what a woman's body looks looks like, what pleasure actually looks like, that it's not the performative external thing that you become used to in porn so that women feel like they have to perform to that and then they get out of their bodies, they're not even feeling the sex because they're just worried, you know, are they performing well enough? And then the boys are just thinking about the performance aspect as well. So I think that's, thank you for that resource. I think that's really important.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, I love sharing. It took me a while to share so openly about it. I was obviously like, I don't want anyone to know, but then I Mm -hmm. thought, well, anybody renting my video is renting it for a reason. So and anyone who doesn't doesn't want to, so like it's all fine. <laughs> like, yeah. No one's going to see it who doesn't want to see it. Exactly. So, and it was quite a quite an interesting perspective. I was like, yeah. And also, I was like, but I don't want to have shame around it because I'm doing it because I believe in it, and so that doesn't that doesn't feel right. Like I feel in integrity by sharing it because I believe in in the as they say the social sex revolution. Yeah. I believe in normalising sex, and I believe in normalising nudity. And, and so yeah I love to share about it now and talk about it openly and, it's, it's, and, and through that also is, is helping me to to feel kind of it, it empowers myself and to really normalize sex and nudity in myself For mm-hmm. when I one day have a child I really also want to be so comfortable and be able to talk to them about anything sexual related and to be nude and and because if I'm not feeling it, children you know they can pick up on things Mm -hmm. even if I say something if I'm not feeling it they'll know and so I really want to get to that place of like I'm really I believe what I'm saying and and I'm embodying that
0: right and I think that's so important what you said about embodying it because we can talk about and this is what I've realized for a lot of years I was talking about in theory like and writing about as a woman you can be everything but was I embodying it and now being a pregnant woman and being, you know, society expects you to shift into this um, what this Madonna whore complex where you suddenly become this pure mother which doesn't yeah. even make sense because you get pregnant from sex. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even make sense how <laughs> you're expected to shift from a sexual <laughs> being. But, yeah, like, I've even just had to notice myself this expectation that I'm suddenly going to become this matronly figure. And it's like, no, I have to push back against that. And not even just in what I write and what I say, but how I act. I have to embody that as I can have a child and I can be a mother and I'm still a sexual woman. And when I'm 60 and 70 years old, I'm still a sexual woman. Like, this doesn't change. Exactly. Oh, yes,
1: exactly. Exactly what I think, and um, I love to hear that. Thank you. I totally agree. It's not. We put ourselves in all these little roles. Oh, now I'm the role of the maiden, and then yes, we've got archetypes: the maiden, the mother, the crone, and that's beautiful energy to bring in um, and to embody that energy. And it doesn't. And if you look at those archetypes, none of them take away from any of the others. You can embody maiden, mother, and crone all at the same time. You are a sexual being when you're a mother. You're a sexual being when you're a granny, mm-hmm. and when you're young, you're a sexual being. Like there, there's different stages of it, but there, we're we're whole, we're whole humans, again, coming back to the rewilding, coming home to our truest selves, and really just imbra- reclaiming our birthright, which is to be an empowered sexual being, and to play, and to, to be curious, and not to to, to live in fear, and, and to, you know, conform to these roles and these rules that have been placed on us by who, what, the patriarchy.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I feel so pumped up from this conversation. I'm like, what? (laughs) Oh, it's so true. I just love everything you're saying. And then there's a final piece as well that you mentioned at the start of our chat as part of becoming and embodying this real empowered woman. You mentioned conscious communication. And I find that really interesting that in and amongst rewilding, nature, sexuality, that you bring in as well is as this holistic way of living, which is conscious communication with our partners and our people around us. Can you tell me a little bit about that, about how you realized this needed to be incorporated in your holistic sort of way of living as well?
1: Yeah, so for me, I was struggling to to really find my voice and, and really kind of speak my truth and claim that for myself. And an example, like if I am not, if I'm not able to, so if I'm in a place in a, on a workshop or just with friends and something is happening that I don't feel good about and I sit back and I let it slide and I don't say anything and I feel horrible the rest of the weekend or the day, then and I'm losing that little bit of my, of myself, of my authentic self and I'm unable then to communicate authentically with people around me and so that was happening a little bit in my relationship I was fearful to to step up and really speak my truth and um, my partner had been kind of also knew all the the, the tools and the practices in theory but he hadn't really ever been able to practice it with someone um, close to him with a, with a, a lover a partner and I had also just started kind of learning about these tools Um, things like just just really sitting down in a vulnerable state, but in a safe way and communicating my needs clearly and owning my needs and not projecting them. So, like, simple things, but it's Mm. much harder to do in the moment. Mm. Um, I can talk about it all I want, but actually doing it just like we were saying, embodying it and and really um, um, working with these tools and practices is a lot harder and it came to a point where we both just were like, okay, we're gonna, we're we're actually gonna do this. We're not gonna let ourselves get into a state where we're fighting or we're arguing, and then take a breather and go, oh, we need to do this in a more conscious way. Mm. We're actually gonna put a practice in place, and we create, not created a few to the exercise, um, and basically, it's it's just like a little few like. Guidelines of how to how to do this little exercise, and you create a safe space, and it's giving each person the chance to to speak their truth without mm-hmm. the drama triangle, basically, and into the winners triangle, which is also another whole topic. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and and we started doing that, and it was a game changer. I mean, we were already pretty out really well and actually hardly fought but it would be little things that mostly for myself that I would hold back on saying, be too shy to say or because my whole life I'm a rescuer. If I put myself in the drama triangle, I'm a rescuer. It's mm-hmm. my primary role. Mm-hmm. I, of course, I will go to each role, I can be a persecutor and I can be a victim, but my primary role is to rescue people, to put their needs in front of mine, mm-hmm. um, above mine, and so I would do that in a relationship, and Nathan would also feel it, um, and yeah, he was also a rescuer, so we'd be rescuing each other, rescuing each other, <laughs> and, and yeah, this, this exercise really just, it blew my mind how such a, it's scary, it is scary as hell Mm -hmm. um because it's really you are you are you're stripped down to just like your most vulnerable self and like this is me in all and this is my stuff and you know this is my shadow and here it all is Mm -hmm. and there's you know always the thought of this person's gonna run because how can they love me as i am and of course the love grows and the love deepens because that's inevitably going to happen. And and if it doesn't, then, well, at least you know, like, this is me and this is, this didn't work out and I can keep being me and, you know, things will fall into place. Because it's not about the other person, it's about, it's about myself. So communicating where I'm able to express myself authentically and for people to hear me and for them to express themselves authentically and for me to really hear them that is the core of it and so I started using these exercises that was in my partnership because of course you can use this with family with friends with strangers with everyone the idea is to eventually be communicating from a place of really calm centeredness that you're not taking things personally and you're not reacting and so I started using these tools in the retreats Um, and even in my workshops I really try try kind of nudge people to use eye language and and eye contact and to, to to not be coming from place of reaction, which is quite common. Mm-hmm. Jumping in like, oh, this is what I think, you know, this is my <laughs> this is my point of view. Not just taking a step back and listening. And I feel like it is so important because how can I how can I rewild my mindset and, and break my social conditioning if I don't even know what I want? That's so true. So that kind of answers the question. of like how it's all why (laughs) I I seem to like sidetrack and get really excited about the topic (laughs) but that that's that's really it is um how can I to rewild my mind is to become aware of my social conditioning and speak from a place of authentic from my authentic self Mm. and that is then breaking the, the chains, the patterns of, of, of this culture, of this society that I've, that I've been brought up in.
0: Mm-hmm. I think you said something really important too, where you say a lot of us hold back from speaking our truth because we're scared the person might walk away. But if someone mm-hmm. walks away after you speak your truth, you haven't lost anything. There isn't a loss there. Absolutely. <laughs> but we see it absolutely.
1: as. Yeah, absolutely. You're doing a disservice to the person by holding on to them and they don't you know, where they're you're trying to kind of mould yourself into what you think they want. Right. So and that's not fair on the other person and then of course it's absolutely not fair on yourself because then you're not you're not being your true self, which is I mean, what else really is more important than that?
0: Right, exactly. And I always feel like that if you don't have yourself then what do you have if you don't first or foremost have yourself? Mm. And like you said, how can you be? How can you empower yourself and become your and return back to your true nature of yourself? Like you said, when you're not even connected to what you want and what you need, and that comes with practice, being able to voice that to yourself and to others.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a hard practice, but it's so rewarding, mm-hmm. and and it's it takes. I mean, it's been years, and I, I still sometimes I'm. I don't want to, I don't want to speak up because it's hard. It's the work, you know, the work is hard doing the work on myself. It's not fun. It's not easy, but it's so rewarding and it is so important. And I have to just remind myself that because I can easily just slip into, Oh, but I know how to rescue. I know how to just keep quiet. Mm -hmm. I know how to pretend. Oh, it's just so much easier. Like "Mm, that nice, cushy, easy way of living, you know, But, but it doesn't serve me in any way or anybody else.
0: It's so true. And I feel like then it can manifest in other ways as well where, in resentment or in other things I mean my thing is definitely defensiveness so before the conversations yeah, even started I'm, I already have a full picture oh you think this about me my partner's like you've <laughs> just written this whole story about what I think and we haven't even started talking yeah. yet
1: yeah totally oh uh, yeah I relate totally
0: yeah it's just so interesting and I just think that's a really important piece And like you said, it's a practice and you never feel like you've got it. And it's an evolution constantly coming back and learning how to speak to each other and not to abandon yourself in conversations just to make them um, safer, feel safer or more comfortable.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've learned that I feel safer when we are, when I know that we are speaking our truth. I actually f- start to feel unsafe if I think, oh, whether it's a friend or a part- my partner or something, and I think, okay, they're not—they're holding back. Then I feel unsafe. Like I don't feel safe in this relationship, in this in this dynamic right now because I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And so it's a counterintuitive, actually, um, and that's why it's just not—it doesn't work. And um, but but I understand how hard it is because we've been brought up to be we've been conditioned from the day that we're born and it's no one's fault because everyone has been you know our parents were conditioned they, they're doing the best that they can of course and we're doing the best that we can and our grandparents did the best that they can with the tools that they had mm-hmm. and that's why I feel like these tools that I've now been gathering from all different types of workshops and courses and whatever are, are the tools that I want to to kind of gift my children and to the people that I That I work with Mm. new tools like a new little set of tools to work with instead of the old tools because they are not working clearly I mean if we look at just yeah social media mainstream media and just and the language that's used and it's it's total drama we're sucked into the drama and I'm not available for that like I don't want to be in the drama and social media is one of the hardest hardest kind of parts of that for me is to get out of the social media drama mm-hmm. and drama of just like, you know, the look at me and, and, you know, oh I need to do this to be, be popular. Or I want lots of people to like what I'm doing. Or, I mean, I totally understand it's, it's, it's addictive and we all get sucked in. I get sucked in and, and I seem think you need to stay, take a step back. And be like I'm not available for that. Mm-hmm. And come back to my, my little tool belt. I'm like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I believe in. And I'm like, that's, That's where I'm going to come. I'm going to come from that place.
0: Mm, I love that. And I relate to that, especially now, because I feel like um, social media media has just gone into hyperdrive, especially because a lot Mm. of people now are having to use that as a resource to get an income. So even more than before, Mm. now that we all can't meet in person right now. And I, I have had that feeling even more so than the usual, like, oh, I need to be putting out this package. I need to be this person. I need to be doing this. And I've just been letting myself have breaks and step back. And I mean, there's some nights where like last week, me and my partner realized we'd laid next to each other for about four solid hours scrolling and we stopped and we were like, whoa, we need to step back and we need to spend some time together and we need to start again because yeah, definitely like you said, it's addictive. I feel like it's even more addictive now especially just because emotions are so high. We're in a really unstable um, chapter right now. We're not really sure what's what's around the corner. We're not sure who's lying to us <laughs> out there. We're not really sure what to believe. And so I think definitely social media can exacerbate that drama. So it's, it's really interesting how that is relevant to everything that's happening right now. But I love how you speak about all of this as the tools that you've collected along the way and I just love that and I just love how you talk about embodying things so like if you have children in your community sees things through example and seeing it work not just from teaching through theory and I think that's just so important and what I really am going to take away from this chat is just the embodiment of what we learn and what we believe
1: yeah thank you amazing <laughs> so glad you could. Bring some value to this conversation it's been so much fun
0: (laughs) yeah it's been great thank you so much Carly this was so good to talk to you um before we wrap up I would just ask how can our listeners find you what are you working on what are you up to
1: and yeah so at the moment I am (laughs) jumping on the the online bandwagon which is incredibly scary Mm -hmm. and i'm offering i'm actually this week writing up a whole lot of or creating a whole lot of online workshops that i'm going to be offering some will be for free some will be donation based some will be on a sliding scale um it's mostly horrible workshops and some communication workshops my partner and i did one the other day and Really well, so we're gonna be offering those um so you can learn some of the tools that I've learned and some exercises on to, to communicate clearly with your friends and family, especially during quarantine and lockdown. Mm-hmm. Might be good. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so the wildlove.life is my website and my Instagram is The Wild Love Co, I think, <laughs> and Facebook The Wild Love.
0: <laughs> awesome, um, thank you so much, Carly. Yes, yeah, so that's me. <laughs> The Salty Club is your online optimised wellness platform for adventurous women. For $9.99 a month, you have access to surf-inspired workouts, yoga classes, guided meditations, recipes, workshops and interviews just like this one. And everyone gets a seven-day free trial. Visit thesalty.club. That's the y.club. Salty, S-A-L-T-Y, C-L-U-B. C-L-U-B.